Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Historic day for UCF football. I mean, a lot of news has happened the last couple weeks, but signing day was upon us, and uh, there's a couple surprises. I mean, the fact that Gus Malzahn and company pretty much kept their entire recruiting class intact is an impressive feat after losing both coordinators this offseason. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get into it, just a word from Bet Bet Online, who is our sponsor for Charge On. Guys, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, guys, huge day. First of all, I just want to say thank you to all our new listeners. I mean, it's signing day, so I'm assuming we're getting a lot of new people watching. Uh, I got a lot of new Twitter followers, so thank you guys for all the support on Twitter. It was great updating on all the news that happened over the last week. Um, and there's a lot to talk about, guys. As always, Rob Husby, Nick Geddes. Um, Rob, I mean, what a day. I mean, it's it's amazing to see kind of we've been UCF fans for a while. I mean, I've been a fan my entire life. But it's just unprecedented what's going on right now and what's happening in the college football landscape in general. But especially for UCF with um, back-to-back years. I mean, last year was their best recruiting class yet uh ranking wise or rating wise and Gus Malzahn and co topped it off this year with the highest uh ranked recruiting class UCF football's ever seen yeah no it's nice to just feel something again you know it's nice to be positive about something uh this team you know was not what we thought it was during the season but now they're getting off to the offseason on, on a good foot you know I mean this is well before a bowl game you know we don't know how that's going to go against Duke but right now I mean UCF's killing it I mean, this is uh, they kept some guys, I think, that maybe we thought we were going to lose. I'm sure we're going to get into that. You know, they they got some guys, too. And I think that's to, to make this the highest recruiting class in UCF history is I mean, you said it best. It's historic. I mean, this is this is it. This is what you want out of Gus Malzahn. You want the recruiting. You want the signings. You know, you this is what you need. 
this is what we want. And going into a Power 5 conference now, this is exactly what the doctor ordered for UCF as they go into next season because this is some of the guys that you're going to be hopefully seeing in the future and being, you know, making an impact on this team moving forward the next two, three, four years um, while UCF is getting, you know, used to playing Big 12 football. Yeah, Nick, and, and listen, I think I, I want to ask you what the most surprising thing of today was out of any of the signings, and we're going to get into all the signings, but I mean, we knew going into it, right, this is the inaugural class that was going to be going into the Big 12. We knew that uh, a lot of recruits that, listen, UCF just wouldn't get two years ago were saying, listen, I'll come to UCF, and John Walker's the big one, but what kind of surprised you of this early signing day, and uh, what were your initial thoughts on the class? Yeah, I mean, if you're a UCF fan, I don't know how you could not be excited about the haul that you got today. I mean, it felt like Gus had like the boom, the whole boom thing that he does when he tweets that out. It felt like he had had that saved in his drafts and like it was just constant, just over and over and over. And, you know, you leave your phone for like a second, and you come back and there's a boom. I mean, it, it just kept going on and on and on. And you just slowly started to see them rise a little, a little bit because I believe they were somewhere in the 50s like about three days ago, if I'm not mistaken. And then to end this day here, the end of early signing day, 40. And as I mentioned, we were talking, you know, I think last time I was on, I said, this is a middle of the road, big 12 team. And that's how we have to look at it right now. And right now they're ranked seven out of the 14 that are there, but you take out Oklahoma and Texas, the, the, the you're in the top five, you're in the top five. And there's really nothing that's in the way of them being close to like a Kansas state or like a Texas tech. I mean, they're right there with them, and they only got 14 recruits. This is a big transfer portal class that they brought in, so it's a little different. So it's very impressive. Uh, you asked for anything surprising. I mean, we're going to talk about him a lot today, I'm sure, but Isaiah Nixon, how could you not be surprised by that? If you're a UCF fan, I don't know how much hope we had that this was going to happen. I mean, there were rumblings that this was going to happen, but when it happened, uh, it's a lot to be excited about. No, it is. And and you mentioned it, right? We only have 14 commitments from the class, and that was by design. It's not like uh, the coaches missed on very many guys. I think this coaching staff got the guys that they sought after, who they wanted. And listen, the identity for UCF football, it's going to be a little mixed. The transfer portal is going to be huge for UCF. They're top 10 right now in the transfer portal. And we'll get into all those guys um, probably next week when we talk our pre uh, preview for Duke, uh, because listen, there's so many players just on the signing day, but there's some big time players that are transferring in uh, for the Knights and that are going to be probably day one starters. I mean, that's the point of the transfer portal, right? You lose starters and you need to go get starters to replace those guys. And Gus Malzahn said it best. Um, a reporter asked about the value of you know getting a recruit on signing day and the transfer portal, what's what's better, right? What what are coaches now rather doing? Would you rather get a guy that is proven in college or, or you know, kind of get that guy in high school and build him up? And g- listen, Gus said a very logical answer and makes total sense. If you lose a starter, you need to replace that starter. You obviously don't want to rush your young guys into a position that they might not be ready for yet. You want to make sure they're ready for that moment. If you just lose a starter and just put a young guy in there, most likely they're not they're going to go through some struggles. It's better. I think this season was a perfect example. You mix in the young guys when you have the opportunity to do so, get them those reps and they're going to get that moment. I think Nakai Martinez, 
highly rated recruit. He saw the field a lot in his first year, but it's not like he was starting. He was mixed in, and that will create huge dividends, big dividends going into the Big 12 with having those game reps. But it's an impressive class, and we're going to get into it right now, guys. I mean, let's start with the big kahuna, the one that everybody's been talking about for months, uh, the the one that many teams try to pry away from UCF thinking they would be able to be successful doing it, uh, but they just weren't. John Walker. I mean, we talked about it last week on the last episode. We heard rumblings that, you know, he was going to stay, and he took his official visit to Florida. And, I mean, Florida threw everything at him multiple times, and he still stuck with it. Kenny Martin um, was obviously his main recruiter. I was assuming, listen, you want to make sure you keep John Walker in the class. Maybe making Kenny Martin the the DC was a smart move. They didn't, but Addison Williams is a great DC. He's going to do great things. And Kenny Martin staying on the staff. But UCF's highest rate commit ever, 6'4", 3'10". Um, I think, guys, and, and I'll ask you both, I think he's going to play year one a lot. Obviously, the defensive tackle spot, UCF has some dogs. Lee Hunter, Ricky Barber, but I think John Walker can basically play anywhere on that defensive line and will definitely play um, year one. His uh, senior stats, it's 79 total tackles, 46 solo, nine sacks. He's a beast. I mean, there's, again, when we're talking about UCF's high, highest rated recruit in program history. Nick, I'll start with you. Kind of, number one, how impressive, how impressive is it and how does it show the growth of this program that, a school like Florida, who many blue chip prospects in the state would probably jump at the opportunity to go to an SEC school like Florida, multiple times tried to get him to go to them, and he stays c- confirmed to come to UCF. How big is it in that sense, and how big is it that UCF is getting recruits like this to say, "Listen, I'm going to come to UCF, stay home, um, and you know, make history," because that's ultimately what he wanted. He wanted to have this title as the highest rated recruit. Right yeah, now. and you're kind of hoping that this change to the Big Twelve, this move to the Big Twelve, that John Walker is going to be the first of many that are these heralded recruits to choose UCF. Because listen, I mean, it's no secret to to anybody. This is a tough state to recruit in, and you need a legit head coach. And I think UCF has that, and Gus Malzahn, clearly a really good recruiter as well, and a good staff that can recruit. And I mean, he talked about in that I go back all the way to that first press conference that he wanted to put in. I mean, it was coach speak, but how can you argue with the results so far? We want to put a barrier around the best players in this area. And we all know the big programs are going to get the top of the top, but this is a legit top 100 player. There's, there's, there's no smoke and mirrors to this. This is a top 100 player right in your backyard that shows you over Florida. And that's the change here is that you know, the big three is the big three. Like Miami's got a third ranked recruiting class. Florida's in the top 10. Florida State's in the top 20. We know that. But there's a fourth option here. And it's not just a team that's playing in Conference USA or playing in the American anymore. This is a power five team. And I'd argue the third best conference in college football right now. So, and, and again, we've been talking about this. There's a lot better places to go or a lot worse places to go to than Orlando if you're a college player. And a guy like John Walker, who's grown up in the area, I'm sure he's done the whole thing with Orlando, Disney, you know, Universal, the whole the whole nine yards. It's a great area to be in if you're a young player. And it, so it means a lot. And you're just kind of hoping that he's kind of that gateway to someone else. And I do agree with you. The talent jumps off the page and you have to think that he's probably going to contribute right away. 
Yeah, I would find it. And I think one of the main reasons you would think that he does come here right away is, listen, he probably does want to get that playing time early. He said three years. I mean, he's viewing – he has NFL aspirations, and I'm sure he – I'd be very shocked if he does not go to the NFL with the just sheer talent he does have. Rob, Kenny Martin, I mean, he's been on the defensive staff. Orlando, he's lived in Orlando. I think he's an Orlando native. He's been here forever. Uh, and uh, I was nervous about losing Kenny Martin, and he was the clear-cut guy to recruit John Walker. I think it's maybe a two-part. Like, what does this say about Gus Malzahn? I think it shows a lot of respect amongst recruits, and we are we always knew that, right? We knew that recruits respected Gus and what he's done previously, what he's done at UCF so far. What does it say about Gus Malzahn to get a recruit like this to come to UCF? And I think what does it say about Kenny Martin and just the entire staff in general to recruit some of these guys that they are recruiting? Yeah, I mean, and when it comes to a guy like us, you know, regardless of the product that we saw on the field this season and last season, you know, regardless of the the sketchy play calling at times, I mean, this is exactly why you bring a guy like Gus Malzahn in. He's got Power 5 experience, he's got a Power 5 name, and he's got Power 5 recruiting experience. And so when you have a guy like that that can come in, you know, really a college football, you know, a borderline legend, uh, a guy that's won it all, that's recruited it all, to, to have a guy come in, you know, to a, to a non-Power 5 team and, and do what he's done. I mean, it's impressive. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Four or five years ago, under Josh Heupel, I mean, it seems ages ago now that Heupel was here, but Josh Heupel couldn't recruit Florida. That was always the knock on him. He'd go to Hawaii and try to open a pipeline there. He'd go around the country. He'd try to get, he couldn't get the transfers that Gus has gotten. But look at what Gus has done. I mean, Gus has really, I mean, almost has started a movement with this hometown hero stuff. I mean, we're talking right before the show. How now Orlando, we see we're starting to see UCF billboards pop up saying hometown hero, hometown hero. I mean, that's almost becoming like a movement where they're saying, hey, there is a reason to stay in Orlando. There, there's a reason not to go down to South Florida and play for Miami. There's a reason not to go up to Tallahassee or Gainesville. You can stay right here in Orlando and you can be part of a power five team and really stay local to where your family is. And I think that's that en- enough can't be said about what Kenny Martin and Gus Malzahn have done. Um you know, heading this team. I mean, this is, we really thought that Kenny Martin, I thought was going to take the defensive coordinator spot, but still having him on the staff is invaluable because he can recruit a guy like John Walker and getting again, three, four years ago, John Walker's leaving to go to Florida. He's he's not staying to play in the AAC. He's not committing to this team. And if he does commit to this team, he's probably not signing. You know, he probably gets flipped. So yeah, now UCF is able to compete with the big boys. They are able to keep their recruits local. And let's be honest, Outside of what Texas and and South Florida, Central Florida is one of the hottest hotbeds of college football recruits in the nation. So keeping guys local here is is invaluable for UCF. And enough can't be said of the job that both Gus Melzon and Kenny Martin have done for not only defensive recruits but transfers and offensive recruits as well. Listen, go look at any top roster in college football, and I'm sure there's somebody from Orlando or a surrounding area of Orlando on their roster. I mean, Christian Larry was on Alabama. Like, it just shows you the area has talent, and Gus is really centered in to the Orlando area. And, yeah, I agree. The hometown hero thing is – it's amazing. And guys are really buying in. I um, mean, that's – I think of all the reasons we just talked about are the reason that John Walker is staying committed to UCF. Guys, let's go to UCF's first commit. Uh, and, listen, we're giving uh, Florida fans a little bit of a break before we go into Isaiah Nixon because – I know this podcast just hurts Florida fans' feelings a little bit uh, with all the excuses they made. 
uh, the last couple weeks about reasons they're losing these guys. Um, UCS first commit, Caven Call. Uh, listen, I mean, I remember Christmas last year, guys. This was a, a year ago uh, when this kid committed. Apopka, Florida, obviously was teammates with Nakai Martinez. I think that definitely helped the recruitment, but there wasn't much recruiting. I mean, they were obviously recruiting in 2021 to start the class, but he committed all the way back in Christmas. Uh, he was heavily recruited around the nation. Uh, Florida State, Tennessee, Cincy, Georgia, Arkansas, Penn State, Mississippi State. Like, so everybody on in the country really offered this kid. Um, he's obviously, he wanted to set the standard going into the Big 12. He wanted to be the first commit to build the class. Um, he expects to play multiple ways, edge, defensive end, outside linebacker. Um, it, basically the buck position for UCF, which is kind of the position they created. Um, and he's a three-star 88 on 247, I know on Rivals, I believe he's a four-star, but he is an edge out of Apopka, Florida. Um, Nick, I'll ask you about Caven. I mean, in college football nowadays, I think it is basically non-existent for a kid to commit and sign a year later. That is very rare in college football. In the transfer portal age, in the commitment age, the fact that Caven has been committed since Christmas of last year. What does that say about the program, number one, that you got a kid that bought in so early on and stuck with it, and regardless of who was recruited, I mean, Isaiah Nixon plays a similar position to him. Uh, they could play very similar positions. Didn't waver. I mean, stuck with it, recruited the heck out of players to come to UCF. What does that say about him as a player? basically in how he's performed and what does that say about UCF as a whole? I know we're going to just, you know, congratulate UCF all over on this podcast, but I think it does say a lot about the school and about the program. Yeah. Clearly he believes in what they're building here enough to stay. And another kid that, you know, close enough to local being in Apopka, I mean, close enough. Right. And it goes back to what Gus had said. So it is a big deal. I mean, you talked about in this day and age, it's very rare that a player commits so far in advance and actually, sticks with it. I mean, let's go back to last year. The most famous example that Travis Hunter was committed to Florida state for a year and a half. And what did he do on early signing day last year? He completely flipped and went to Jackson state. I mean, it just shows you right there, even number one player in the country. It's just hard to keep these guys with all the money going everywhere and just everything going on in the offers. I mean, you look, I mean, this guy was offered by some really big time programs like Florida state and Tennessee and Georgia. I mean, a who's who of college football and he chose to stay home and go to UCF. And, you know, I like the fit. There's a lot of versatility. There's a lot of versatility there. We'll see what position he ends up playing. Um, but it definitely, he, I think he kind of set the tone here and maybe he even, you know, a lot of coaches say your best recruiters are the recruits you have that are committed and the players that you have. And so, what role did he play in getting guys to to stay here, to come here as well, especially when Travis Williams goes out the door and you need who you have to kind of rally around and, and, you know, keep the band together, I guess, if you will. And I'm sure he was a big part of that. So it's a huge deal. Yeah, Gus, you could tell when he was talking about Kevin, you could tell he really, he really likes what he brings. And I think it brings a smile to my face. And I know Gus's because again, he was he was committed that long and he stuck with it. And I think that just shows you 
that he loves the university, he loves the team, he loves what UCF is building, and that's only going to bring great things uh, to the Knights. Moving on to Isaiah Nixon, and I'm going to have you both talk on this because this, I mean, I caught wind of it, and I think a lot of people did uh, a day or two ago. Florida fans, well, <laughs> Isaiah Nixon, it, I don't remember, and again, I'm a UCF guy. I don't really venture out to other programs too much. I think it's, I would say it's very rare, Rob, that a guy commits to one program, then decommits to, an, and then goes to another program, and then decommits from that program and goes back to the original committed program. I think that's pretty rare in, in college football, I would say. Right, Rob? I I, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know a running total of how many times that's happened or anything recently where I'm looking at other programs. I'm like, well, actually, it happened here. But no, I mean, it's very rare even more, I think, to see a guy flip from UCF, you know, a Power 5 prospective team to an SEC team and and arguably the biggest team in the state and then say, no, actually, I'm decommitting and going back to UCF. I mean, you know, I don't know behind the scenes. I know we were talking about this too off of uh, off the podcast here where, you know, yes, maybe he preferred the coaches at UCF. He kind of gelled with them a little bit more. He liked their vibe a little bit more. But no, I think it is rare just in general to see one player commit, decommit, go to another school and then flip back. Um, I think that's pretty rare. And And again, it's especially rare when it's to a team like Florida. I don't care about... Florida's on-field success, it's still the University of Florida. It's still the Florida Gators and an SEC caliber team. So having a guy do that, I mean, I think is just, uh, it's pretty unprecedented when you see something like that. So clearly something sticks out for Isaiah Nixon where he's like, I can be a big part of that defense. And I think he will absolutely, as a four-star, will absolutely be a big part of this defense uh, moving forward. But no, he clearly believes in something. And listen, this is without Travis Williams. I mean, this is with Travis Williams going elsewhere. We really thought we were going to see somewhat of an exodus, maybe not a mass exodus, but somewhat of of a departure for some of these recruits and some of these commits. And really, besides the Harris twins, we're not seeing that. And to see a guy like Isaiah Nixon, where I think a lot of fans wrote him off as, you know, Florida commit. I mean, to come back and sign, I think that's so impressive by Gus Malzahn and the rest of that defensive staff. That's that's very impressive. Credit to Coach Ingram for sticking with him and not laying off the commitment. I think that's that's huge. And again, when it comes to your assistant coaches and recruiting, I mean, give credit where credit's due. But Isaiah Nixon plays for Lakewood um, in St. Petersburg, 6'4", 215. He is a big dude, at, like, size-wise. I think He definitely needs to, you know, fill out his body a little bit more. I would really like him at, like, 235. I think as an edge rusher, I think that could be um, pretty dangerous. But if you watch the kid on tape, he flies. I mean, he can get to the quarterback, and that's what you see. You need a perennial pass rusher in college football, getting to the quarterback. And I think that's something that UCF has lacked the past couple seasons is a guy that can just get to the quarterback. Um, he's a four-star. I know uh, Florida fans wanted to go find the one three-star uh, that he was ranked. He's a four-star recruit. Um, he's, according to Rivals, he's the uh, number 267th overall, number 32 amongst pass rushers. Um, on three, has him a bit higher at 250 nationally. Uh, but he was committed to UCF. Obviously, like we just said, he then switched to Florida um, after a visit to the Swamp. And then he is now committed back to us. Um, 247 Sports reporter Jacob Rudner said that the move had been described as a mutual parting of ways between him and Florida. 
and that he wouldn't consider this a flip per se. So I saw online that, and now Florida fans make up whatever they want to make up. They said John Walker, the only reason he's coming to UCF is because he's a mama's boy, which we obviously know is not true. And then with Isaiah Nixon, they said his grades weren't good. So Florida said, never mind. I don't know, Nick. I think it sounds like a bunch of excuses. If I had to guess, Isaiah Nixon probably still wanted to take visits, still wanted to go visit other places. And Florida coaches probably felt some type of way because when you commit to Florida, you you are at the holy grail. You shouldn't have to take other visits. And I'm assuming UCF staff just was as great as they were always. And he probably said, oh, I feel more at home at UCF than Florida. I'm sure there's an element of truth in all these rumors and all this scuttlebutt that's going on. But let me tell you, and this is from the horse's mouth, Isaiah Nixon. This is what he told Hayes Fawcett of On3 today when he flipped. And I quote, I had a way better relationship with the coaches at UCF than I did at Florida. There you go. There you go. There's your there answer. You there's there's no need to to spin. There's no need to get into Twitter wars with the team in Gainesville, the fan base in Gainesville. And, and don't be so insecure. You have the top you have a top ten recruiting class. You'll be fine. <laughs> Nobody like it, it, this is all it, they miss out on three players and they all come here and yeah, you know, I just Florida fans go into a frenzy. In general, in general, and I don't want to go on a tangent here. I, I just why do we have we don't need to have Twitter wars with every fan base. We don't. And I know some of it's from the UF side as well. Okay. I'm not absolving them, but most of it yeah, is. a lot of it is. I, and this it. is just for in general. We don't need to have Twitter wars over recruits. All right. He just told you the what went on there. He had a better relationship with the UCF coaches than he did the UF coaches. End of story. And he's a UCF knight. As far as I'm concerned, that's that's all that matters. And I think he's going to be a real good one. I mean, I think again, like I said, I think if he can, you know, fill out his body a little bit more, I think he's going to be dangerous. I think he's got the speed, uh, and I think you could see him. I think you're definitely going to see him in a couple games this upcoming season. Again, uh, I think some of the things that Florida fans were saying online, it just is. They said that. He was just not that good of a player. His pass oh, rush really? is, let, let, let's, let's be honest. How many of these fans have actually have actually turned on the tape and, and watched? Probably many? not many of them. Probably not many of them. How many? I mean, are they are they making talking, trips out to, to actually turn on the tape? Were they making trips out to Lakewood High School in St. Pete to go to go see him play? Were they making that trip <laughs> down seventy five? No, they turned on the two four seven clips. Yeah, I don't. Were they looking at huddle? I mean, what was going on here? You you don't. You, when I watch the tape, nobody I mean, knows. Nobody knows who the, what these players are going to turn out to be. Nobody knows. Just because he went to UCF, he's not a good player. That that's that's it's Twitter posturing at its it finest. Is. Let's let's yeah. He's a UCF night. End of story. Yeah. Hey, maybe Absolutely maybe Flor- maybe Florida just needs to realize that they can't woo a bunch of players anymore by like decorating like Motel Six Gainesville rooms in like Florida posters and stuff. Cause that's what it seems to do with all their like big recruits. Like even John Walker, they like just lay out these posters and all this stuff in like a moat in like a motel six room. And it's like, maybe that's not attractive. Maybe we need to get away from that instead of like dissing on the kids when they decommit and go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not going to get into Florida's recruiting tactics and whatever they, you know, I think 
it's very well documented by many people the situation in college football nowadays with what people are doing but La- yeah last note last you know, note on I last note on Isaiah and again big picture speaking here and this involves John Walker as well end of story that UCF just signed two of their top five all-time signees in one class so if you're looking for a big picture how far the program has come that they're clearly on the come up here there you go this is two of the top five signees they've ever had. It's huge. It's huge. And I mean, again, most of these guys you're going to see early because they're they're good enough to play early in their career. Um, let's kind of group the next two together because I they're not going to play the same position because um, I think one plays safety, one's going to play corner. Uh, but Jameric uh, Morris and Jason DeClona, um, I am a f- huge fan of Morris. Um, I heard Gus say he's going to play safety. Uh, which I mean, yeah, he's six two, two oh five, lengthy dude. Uh, we needed secondary help, boys. I mean, there's no question. Uh, you keep getting guys, and uh, and we'll talk about Braden after these two guys because I think Braden is a whole other story. But um, Morris was at was in JUCO Hutchison Community College, um, and I mean, he's big. If you I I, I turn on the tape last night and I'm watching him and I'm like, okay, this is kind of what we need. 12th highest Juco player in the nation, third highest for a corner. Um, He was a 88 overall three-star and there was a bunch of teams after him. I mean, again, I think Gus said he's going to play safety. I actually really like that fit. Um, Jason DeClona out of Estero High School. uh, He's an 87, 88 overall three-star just like Morris, but he's listed as an athlete. He's going to be playing corner. But again, he's 6'1", a little bit smaller, 175. But, I mean, he goes up and gets balls. He played wide receiver, too. So he played defensive back, wide receiver. And it's not like he – I mean, he was uh, he had 520 receiving yards and seven touchdowns on offense. So – and he was a punt returner. So um, I think he will play cornerback or the in the night position. Um, that's kind of what Jarvis Ware um, plays and also uh, – but yeah, he'll play those positions. Um, Rob, I'll go to you. We know corner wise. I mean, I think we're getting there with some of these guys, but with the defense that was played last year, I think maybe our guys, it wasn't their strengths. I don't know. I think Addison Williams, I think our defense is going to look a little different, maybe not playing 10 yards off the ball every time. But I mean, how about you speak, uh, you go ahead and speak to Jason. I mean, coming from Estero High School, he's clear going to be a corner. I mean, probably corner or playing that night position. Like, what would you like to see out of a guy like that who, I mean, can play anywhere on the field? He can he could be on the offensive side. He could play on the defensive side. But how important is it for this class to bring in especially corners, um, which is clearly one of the areas that UCF lacks? Yeah, and I mean, you t- said it. He's not... Uh, you know, he's not like more where he's more of a lengthy guy. He's not that lengthy. He's pretty tiny. He's not big. He's only 175. But listen, I think what you're looking for out of him is versatility and you're looking out of him is speed. Um, and that's really what you can ask for at corner. I mean, you want fast guys. You want guys that can, you know, catch up to the receiver if they're playing back a little bit. But no, I agree. I think I think this is what needs to change. And, and 
for UCF's defense moving forward. And what was a big problem really all season long as the season moved along was that the corners were just playing way too far off the ball and not up on the receiver. And then when they were playing up on the receiver, you know, they're getting outmatched because maybe they're not as fast as the receiver or the tight end. Maybe they're not as big as the tight end or the wide receiver. And so they're losing a lot of, you know, one-on-one balls. And so, yeah, uh, what he might lack in height and and size, you know, he's going to make up for in speed. And I think just that versatility he can bring, you know, you're not probably not going to be using him as like a slot receiver or anything like that or, or on special plays. Maybe you will, but, you know, maybe you will see him on special teams doing some, you know, punt returning and stuff like that. Maybe you will see him become a little bit of a specialist and also play corner. Um, you know, that's a popular thing that UCF likes to do uh, with, especially with their faster guys on the team. So absolutely. I mean, having that versatility and, and really being kind of a Swiss army knife um, with all the positions he's played, I think is going to be a big strength for UCF, both on the defense and, and perhaps in even other positions on the field and on special teams. And I'm stupid. Uh, Jarvis Ware plays safety. I meant Justin Hodges plays the night position. A lot of players in my head right now, but I think, you could, I could definitely see him playing in the night position for UCF. I would like him at corner, but uh, before we'll talk about Braden in a second, because I'm excited about Braden. Um, Nick, uh, Jameric Morris, I mean, again, I think he's going to play safety. He does remind me of Devad in some ways. I think Morris, you know, Morris is bigger, and I think, you know, 12th ranked Juco player in the country. If you go look at some of the Juco players, I mean, they're getting recruited to Alabama's, the Georgia's. They're getting recruited to the best places. Um, how big is it, again, of, you know, Gus to get somebody like this? And also, what is your thoughts on JUCO guys, you know, making the leap up to Power 5 conferences like this? I know it's worked out a ton for a lot of schools um, because, I, again, you they still are getting competition in JUCO, and that definitely helps them. Um, but, you know, give your overall thoughts on Jameric and then, you know, your thoughts on, you know, him being the third highest cornerback in Juco, but also what he can do for the Knights and Juco in general. Yeah, I mean, Juco is still a form of college football, right? I mean, there's no need to diminish it. And at least he's getting those reps, right? And I mean, look at the impact that he had this year for Hutchinson Community College, five interceptions, six pass breaks up to lead them. Uh, I believe they went to a championship game as well. And he was one of the better players there, if not the standout. And he was playing more corner. Gus says he wants to play safety. And again, I mean, you look at him, it's just the size. You I mean, you compare him to Devod Wilson. I think he's bigger than Devod, honestly. I mean, he, he's an absolute unit. He looks like a thumper and a ball hawk. And that's somebody that UCF has been dying for to get back there in the secondary. And <clears throat> I mean, to have depth that's, you know, played a little bit here in college. I mean, you, that's one kind of position that UCF has been hurting at right now is that depth. And when you start to play better teams like UCF's going to have on its schedule and injuries happen, you need that depth. And I think he's going to provide that. So I do kind of mention, I am kind of like curious about this dipping into the Juco ranks because I think he's the only Juco player that UCF has brought in, uh, in this class. I can't recall another one coming in recently as well. So I mean, no talents everywhere. You just got to find it. So I think it's a. I think it's worth taking a shot at, and uh, clearly, I mean, the guy had 21 offers from other schools, so very sought after, and uh, I think he'll be a good addition to UCF. Uh, no, he's huge, and and that's the thing. I like that we're going after these young corners. I think that's crucial. I think corners the, and I think you would all agree with me. Cornerback in college, 
in just those positions are the toughest to find quality of. I mean, you definitely in college football, you, you see a lot of them in the transfer portal. Not many of them are highly rated. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of them are in the transfer portal. I think UCF got some good corners in the transfer portal, but getting these guys from high school and hoping a couple of them really work out is, is pretty crucial. I think UCF has proven from last year's class. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this year's that Gus really does know how to recruit and they're getting very quality guys uh, coming in. But let's talk about the last corner that uh, UCF kind of signed this early signing day cycle. A guy I tweeted out, I said, I did not think he was going to sign. Um, he was my one of my favorite recruits when he committed. Uh, Lake Mary, Lake Mary product, 10 minutes down the road from me, um, being in Oviedo. But Braden Marshall, I mean, I was assuming, guys, and we'll both, I want both your thoughts on it, right? But his whole entire family is Auburn alums. He's been committed to UCF for months now. Hometown hero, all that good stuff. He, it was between us, North Carolina, and one other school, but it was really between us and North Carolina. He commits to us. Uh, he's been committed throughout. Once Travis Williams left, you know, Auburn offers him beforehand. He goes on a visit to Auburn last week or a week and a half ago. His whole entire family is Auburn alums. Everybody on Twitter was like, yeah, he's a goner. Like, mentioned Auburn as his dream school. When a recruit says that a school that offered him is their his dream school, what else can you do? You just assume they are going to leave. I kind of want to get your guys' take, because I'm actually intrigued about what you guys think about why he stayed and why he chose to commit to UCF. Because Auburn's been having a great day. I mean, they've been, they did great getting some of these guys to to commit to them. I mean, a lot of them flipped. Why do you think, Rob, and I'll start with you, why do you think he ended up staying committed to UCF after his dream school offered him? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I don't. I think it might be just belief in the program. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's as much as UCF just saying, "Hey, you know, we need corner help, we need secondary help. You know, you can be a big factor in this defense year one." And so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes as far as you know what they pitch to these guys, but I definitely think that can be something that sticks. And hey, you've committed to us. There's stuff you like about this program, even with Travis Williams gone, and and it's seeming like a, a done deal that he's going to go to Auburn and follow him. I, I mean, there must be something that they do talk to him about and say, hey, you you can be a big feature for a Power Five team. You know, I just don't I don't know what the specifics are because again, this is kind of like an Isaiah Nixon situation where you look at it and you say, okay, well. You know, Travis Williams leaves, goes to, uh, you know, Travis Williams leaves, goes to Arkansas, um, you know, and now you're looking at Auburn and Hugh Freeze did some good work for for Auburn on signing day. But then you look and say, OK, Braden Marshall, I think a lot of fans wrote him off as as good as gone. And he doesn't. He doesn't follow Travis Williams to Arkansas. He doesn't leave to go join Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Uh, you know, so I, I don't, you know, I don't know what the specifics are, but I think maybe just looking at it on a superficial level, I think it's maybe just UCF can offer more right now. Again, day one starter, you know, maybe, maybe it is just them selling on the hometown hero aspect. You know, it's, it's, they're selling, they're selling a, a very, you know, stay local, very, you know, em embrace the home, the hometown feeling. And I don't, 
you know, I, I think that I think it speaks to a lot of recruits. I think they dig it. You know, I think they get UCF. I think UCF is just really good at at speaking to a lot of these younger guys because they think the program's young too. And it has it has this even with Gus, like Gus has embraced some of the um, you know, younger kind of memes that kind of follow this team around on Twitter and social media. He kind of embraces it. So I think it's just the general vibe that this team and program has. It's very relaxed, very, you know, not hard nosed SEC. I think that can speak to a lot of guys and maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's not what it is, but I think UCF does have a lot to offer. And I think you're seeing it with Nixon and Braden Marshall that UCF does have a lot to offer going into the power five. No, you make a good point. And Nick, tell me if I'm wrong. This is kind of my take on it, but I view it as if I'm a recruit and, you know, listen, he said Auburn was his dream school. That's like for me, if the Patriots offered me and I ended up staying and going to Jacksonville, right? I view it as if these recruits want to be different. And I think it's not saying that UCF hasn't had great recruiting classes in the past and has, they've obviously had insanely talented players that have gone on to the NFL and have been studs in the NFL. But I think there hasn't been recruiting classes where the top guys are going to UCF. They, they're they going to the Florida. They're going to the FSU. They're going to Miami. Do you think, and I, this is what I think, do you think kind of it plays into these kids just wanting to be different than what's happened like with these blue chip, blue collar schools that have been running for ages where UCF's a newer program and they kind of take the younger aspect? I mean... Uh, alumni is one of the youngest in the country. And I think these recruits are like, listen, I want to be different than what just every single top recruit has done every single year. I want to be different and I want to go start something new and be one of the first to do it by going to UCF. Yeah, it could be part of it. I think for a lot of the faults that college football has right now, and there are many, kind of the new changes though, and everything's talked about like parity and getting more programs involved. And I mean, Look at this past season. There was so much parity around college football, more so than we have seen in a long, long time. And I think you're seeing that in recruiting as well. We're seeing a lot more programs get these kind of blue chip players. So it could be part of it. I mean, being a local kid, it has to be cool when you're just driving around town like he was and he's at a stoplight, I think. And wow, there I am on a on a billboard in my in my hometown. I mean it's just genius Same. marketing. And, and those are the things you got to do nowadays. You got to think out the box. You got to be creative. And I think that goes a lot to Gus's philosophy when he got here. And it, remember when the whole QR code and we're going to embrace it. You got to embrace it because, I mean, these kids, I mean, it, it matters a lot to them. And you just kind of got to embrace. I think if you if you're shutting all that kind of stuff out, then you're going to be behind the times. And these guys just aren't going to pick your program. So I think that helps. I think coming to UCF. And it's a, it's kind of a a position that they need a lot of help in as well. And you're coming in and you might be the most talented guy back there. So the route to playing time is there and potentially in year one, whereas you go to Auburn, I mean, they got a top 15 class. It's usually that way every single year. There's a lot of talent there, uh, even though they're kind of in a downswing right now. You got to got to fight a little harder. I think that plays into it. I mean, and, and still, though, but that's a program that historically – has been, you know, generating a lot of NFL draft picks in their secondary. There's a lot of them in the league right now. And for him to turn that down, I mean, I'm sure it's not an easy decision when it's your dream school not to end up going there, especially when they were throwing everything at you. But, you know, his heart was set on UCF. And 
I think absolutely. If, if you go to your dream school three days before National Signing Day or whatever it was, three, four days, and you still choose not to go, even though it looks like everything's right, but he stays home. So again, another huge win. And I, I just think with a lot of these blue chip guys, when you come to UCF, they just have a chance to be first year contributors. And I think that plays a big role in it. Brandon Marshall, 5'11", corner out of Lake Mary High School. Kid I've wanted to commit to UCF for a long time, and I'm happy he is staying home. It's kind of that corner in the Orlando area. I mean, we got Nakai last year, Braden this year. I mean, who knows? But I think it's opening up that pipeline for years to come where, listen, you can get your talent locally. They're going to stay, and you're going to be better because of it. And we'll see. But I I think Nakai is going to be a big-time player for UCF. He showed insane flashes in his first year, and that's barely any playing time. So I'm excited for Braden to be a knight. Um, Again, this is a defensive class. There's no question about it. Gus Malzahn said, we're getting defense. Um, So we've got a couple more guys. Uh, Troy Ford, uh, I mean, that's another edge guy. Troy Ford, I assumed, and maybe this was just naive of me, again, I I thought once Travis Williams left, he was, or yeah, once Travis Williams left, he was going to be one of those guys to decommit. Uh, But he stuck with it. He had numerous SEC and ACC programs trying to go for him. Auburn, South Carolina, um, a lot of people said were likely the schools to kind of try and get him away from UCF. He committed in March. So, I mean, again, another one of those guys that has stayed committed for a long time. He's a 86 overall three-star, 6'1", 235. Um, I I guess they're supposed to most likely use him at inside linebacker, which I think uh, would get fits, 235 inside linebacker. I mean, that's something that UCF needs. As we know, linebacker is an important position, and I think he could, you know, he's at a good school in Georgia. I think it's Calvary Day. I think it's Calvary Day, and I'm pretty, yeah, Calvary Day, Day in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Rob, Georgia specifically, I think in this class you see it. A couple guys, Gus still has those pipelines in Georgia. Gus loves to recruit in Georgia, and he gets his Florida boys. Don't get me wrong. He gets a lot of hometown kids, a lot of kids in Florida. But to get a guy that's on, Calvary Day is one of the best schools in Georgia. To get Troy Ford, who's a starter there, plays a lot, makes impact there and you still keep that pipeline in Georgia open. Like just talk about Troy Ford and what you like about him, but also, you know, keeping that pipeline to Georgia open and kind of why it's good, you know, him being at Auburn, helping keep those kids and knowing who he is and recruiting there. Yeah. I mean, having a a pipeline to Georgia, I think there's some really good prospects that come out of Georgia. You know, there's some really good players that come out of there. And I think, you know, being the next state over from Florida, I think having, you know, these local states, you know, having their recruits open and stuff like that, where you can bring guys down to Florida, I think is absolutely invaluable, you know, so opening as many pipelines as you can, especially, you know, not just hometown Florida, but also hometown, you know, in your immediate area of states, you know, Alabama, Georgia, any of those kind of areas that you can keep open, uh, where there's still good prospects that come and, and good recruits that come out of that state. 
Um, I think what you like most about Troy Ford here, though, is uh, looking at a guy at inside linebacker, if that's where they're going to play him. I mean, this guy's just a rock. I mean, the dude's uh, dude's massive. So, I mean, not the tallest guy, but 235. I mean, Jesus, that's, that's, a, that's a big boy right there. So having a guy like that, I mean, really UCF's biggest strength on defense this past season uh, has been the front seven. Um, so getting another guy at linebacker, especially uh, losing Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, um, you know, I think having another option at inside linebacker uh, is a is a really good thing for UCF and getting a big guy like this that you know is really going to hold his own uh, and not get tossed around. I think is very very important for you know really what has been a strength of UCF's defense. Our final guy, Andrew Rump, uh, Palmetto High School. He just committed a day ago. We're recording this obviously on uh, early National Signing Day. He committed a day ago. A lot of these guys did. I mean, it was booms, boom central the last couple days. Um, but Andrew Rump, uh, again, you get John Walker, you're adding a guy like Andrew Rump, 6'3 and a half, 265, uh, technically 6'4 if you want to be technical. Um, he had several Power Five offers Maryland, Kentucky, Miami, Iowa State, Indiana. Um, and he picks the Knights at the last minute right before National Signing Day. But again, you're getting guys at the last minute that are ranked, you know, high-end three-stars. Like, he's an 87, 88 overall three-star. And I get it. And I want to make this very clear. If you're this far in the podcast, then you're a true fan of us and you know how we feel about this. But we've said, stars don't mean jack. It does not matter what stars they are or what their ranking is. Like, yes, John Walker's the highest-rated recruit we've ever gotten. But at the end of the day, it's, it's how they go and perform on the field. It doesn't matter what their star is. It this is just how they base them now. Um, but big boy out of Palmetto, Florida. Again, I think beefing up that defensive line positions is huge. And I think that's what realistically has helped the Knights, you know, especially this last year, the defensive line was a strength. Um, and especially when you go to the big 12, I mean, these offenses are no joke. You need to have a really good defense that can handle speed, can handle the run. And I think a guy like Andrew can really come in um, and he, he's already built. I mean, you're not going to have to really um, work with this guy to get, you know, his body right. I mean, he could come in and listen, there's no question. UCF is pretty solid up front right now on that front seven. So it's, it's mainly just finding guys, you know, it's we've always said it right depth is the most important thing so quality depth is not bad and you're not going to have the lee hunters and the ricky barbers forever so you need to find uh good replacements for those guys all right boys that was all the defense i believe i I don't think we missed anybody on the defense but let's go into the offense because i think we can all agree this was a mainly defensive class like we just said there was clear cut defense. They went and got some of the best defensive players that they could in this class. But I think some of these offensive guys that they did recruit could make some noise. I mean, we'll start with quarterback because that's, you know, the clear cut position. When you get a quarterback, everybody likes to look at it. Dylan Rizik. I mean, when you get a quarterback, I go watch tape and he's been committed since April, April, um, end of April, I think. Um, Dylan's out of Cardinal Gibbons in Fort Lauderdale. And Cardinal Gibbons is, again, if anybody knows high school football, Cardinal Gibbons, last couple years especially, has been incredible. They won the state title in 2021. He was the quarterback. And his stats really, guys, and Nick, I want to ask you, because, again, this is a prototypical Gus guy. I mean, in his 2021 stats, he threw for 
over 1,900 yards, had 17 touchdowns passing, and then ran for 456 yards and eight touchdowns rushing. So prototypical guy for Gus, 6'2", 210. He's put on weight. I mean, he's put on 15 pounds since his junior year. So he's garnering muscle. He knows, listen, I'm going to have to go to this UCF offense and truck some guys. Um, But he had offers from Arkansas State, Indiana, Michigan State, UAB, USF, Northwestern, Kentucky, Toledo, list goes on. Um, but some solid schools to have as a quarterback, 86 overall three-star. What is it, if if you're a, listen, we all know the type of quarterbacks that Gus is going to go recruit. And I think Dylan, on tape, doesn't have the the greatest arm strength, right? But I think when you are getting a guy like that, you're you're getting a guy that can do pretty much everything. I don't know when he would hit the field. I mean, listen, the quarterback room right now is stacked, and I think that's going to be the problem for college football for years to come, right? If you have a stacked quarterback room, how long are these guys willing to wait for their opportunity? I think that's the question. I think that's part of the question I want to ask you. What do you like about Dylan, number one? And then number two, you know, listen, if JRP's your starter next year, and you got Tommy waiting in the wings, and Tommy's everything that he says he is, but you also have Timmy McLean. Where does a guy like Dylan fit in? It is Dylan just that type of guy that, you know, it might just see the field based off injury? Or or do you think he could really make a case in a year or two to to take over the reins from, you know, or beat out a guy like Tommy Castellanos or Tim McClain? Well, obviously, we're going to have to see what happens when he gets on the field. But, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, when I watched him a little bit, the arm strength is definitely a con- – I don't want to say a concern, if you will, but – I wouldn't say it's his calling card, but he definitely has some mobility, some mobility to him as well. You mentioned he put on weight, and I mean the whole quarterback thing. This is kind of a logjam. We know JRP is going to be the guy in 2023, most likely. Again, they're going to run that back. Uh, you know, Timmy McLean has been getting a lot of work in now, and he's going to be eligible. And then Tommy Castellanos as well. And these are all three quarterbacks who kind of are in that Gus mold. And I think Rizik can maybe be that guy as well. But I'm, I mean, I, I'm even though like you can only play one guy and you got to worry about guys maybe getting a little antsy and transferring out. I still think it's smart in every recruiting cycle to at least get one guy in here, get one guy in here. And yeah. we, whether that's through the portal, whether that's through recruiting. I mean, last year, I mean, you bring in Tommy and you bring in Timmy. So you get two right there. Uh, it's not a bad problem to have when you have three guys. And and if listen, I mean, last year was a great example of it. it I mean, John Rice Pumley couldn't stay healthy, and you were lucky enough to have Mikey Keene there to play mop up duty. And we've already discussed. And by the way, congratulations to Mikey Keene for transferring to Fresno State. He's going to ball yeah. out, I know. Um, but if you don't have Mikey Keene around, you don't get to nine wins. You don't get to a conference championship game. So. Having these guys around here, you can kind of develop a little bit. I know Gus loves his quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's worth it. But I definitely think, you know, the arm strength thing is something that I would be a little bit leery of for now. So there, there's definitely a lot of room for growth there. But because it's such a log jam, he's going to, be, he's going to get plenty of practice time to figure all that stuff out. Exactly. Young, you know, he's a project seeing three years where he is. Um, but, again, I think with Gus – coaching him and really kind of putting him under the wing there and kind of just the quality that UCF does have at quarterback. I think he can do some great, great things and learn a lot. Um, Before we go, Randy Pittman, I'm going to save Randy Pittman for 
for Nick. I know he loves him. Uh, Rob, Tyree Patterson. Uh, again, we love talking Florida here. Um, Tyree Patterson, 6'2", 175, lean, lean wide receiver. Uh, but on tape, he can run a route, man. I mean, he is a great route runner. Eustace, Florida. Um, listen, not that much talent in Eustace. I think that's, I think the one knock that I would have is, listen, not too much talent down there, but, uh, in when he, he showed, he balled out and that's why Florida offered him. He committed to Florida. Uh, I mean, he committed to Florida, gosh, a while ago. Um, but he's been crystal balled to UCF for some time again, six, two. So he's long, but not lengthy in the sense of he's only 175, but Quick, I mean, breakaway speed is is he has it for sure. And again, we stole him from the swamp. Now, Florida fans, oh, he's our worst rated recruit. I understand. Listen, that that makes sense. I mean, they had uh, a lot of receivers commit to Florida, which I'm sure did not help. And Tyree's like, listen, I need UCF showing love. Um, but I think Florida fans, I think the the thing is Tyree could come in and make huge impact and be a great receiver and you might wish you kept him regardless of the stars. Cause the stars again, don't mean anything. Um, but what do you like out of Tyree? And again, uh, do you think, I think he definitely needs to build up some, some muscle on him, but I think the breakaway speed that I've seen out of him and just the route running, the route running, what do you like out of his route running? Um, and he, right now he's the only wide receiver commit uh, for this class. So I give your thoughts on that and kind of how transfers affect that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's not the highest rated recruit, but no, I mean, I think that is his most uh, valuable asset is that he is a very good route runner. And one thing that, you know, especially for UCF's offense, you know, really since Frost and and now Gus Malzahn is this is a guy that absolutely fits into a Gus Malzahn offense, you know, quick, uh, can run routes really well. um, So you're going to be looking for him in schemes and stuff like that, that that fit those RPOs, those quick slant routes. You know, that's a guy that absolutely can pick up some yardage. Yeah. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he's quick. And and I think when it comes to a Gus Malzahn offense, that's what you need is you need, you know, that quick footedness. So, uh, no, I mean, listen, this is your one recruit for the wide receiver class. Um, but no, I, I think it's a good start, you know, getting a nice speedy guy that needs to, you know, maybe put up a little muscle and a little bit more weight, but you know, I, I don't know what exactly his role is going to be moving forward, but certainly it's a guy that can, you know, factor into su- certain plays that Gus Malzahn and company, you know, draw offensively where you can get this guy in for some for some quick, quick plays uh, because he's got that speed and he's got that, you know, skill at route running uh, so well. And he can really pick up, you know, holds real nicely. He can, you know, run the routes that he needs to run. And so I think that's that's going to get him open. And that's going to, that's, that's I mean, that's important. That was a problem for UCF all season long was guys not getting open, you know, and, and forcing JRP really to to either bail out and run or, or forcing a bad decision. So getting a guy that absolutely can run routes and, you know, can find those holes, I think is going to be invaluable if they decide, uh, you know, to use him, uh, you know, pretty more, more than pretty sparingly. Shut down his his senior season to focus on getting ready for whatever team uh, he went to in college. So didn't play his entire senior year, but had a couple hundred yard games. Um, I think he's impressive. Who knows when we'll see him? I mean, we've got that's the one thing UCF does have is a lot of depth at wide receiver. It's probably why they lost out on Caden Lee. I would assume is listen, UCF is very great at getting transfers in the transfer portal when it comes to the wide receiver position. They have, uh, especially last year, gotten a cut. Like Xavier Townsend 
we a lot of people forget about him because they just he was a running back coming out an athlete he's a wide receiver you got Quan lee in the back you got amari johnson you've got receivers right so it's when are we gonna see him i don't think we see him for a while uh but again you know if he sticks it out i think he could be a player that could fit just like you said perfectly in the gus malzahn offense all right let's go to next uh favorite guy randy Pittman. I love this guy. And I know we talked about him on a show earlier in the year uh, because he is the, I think Gus just said, he is a football player. He does everything that you ask him to do. He can do literally anything on offense. He can play the fullback position, plays tight end. He can block. Uh, he goes up and gets balls. I mean, 6'2", 230, big dude, uh, 87 overall three-star. Originally, he was committed to Florida State. Um, and he was a need for UCF. UCF, Gus Malzahn said that he was the number one tight end on their board that they wanted. They get him. Um, I mean, he moves like a running back. He can shake defenders. And last season, 704 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, very impressive in the sense of, I think we lost next. So we will get him back. And whenever he gets back, uh, he will talk about Randy. But I think he can make an immediate impact soon, right, Rob? I mean, you have Alec Holler. He's coming back for another year. Kamori Gamble didn't really do anything when he was here. I think it was his lack of blocking kind of showed. And let's be real. I think the Alec Holler situation where he has great blocking ability, he can make the catches when he is asked to do that. He can. He do, He is a Swiss Army knife. I think that's what UCF was trying to go out and get. And listen, they had to go to Georgia to, to get it. but Or no, Florida, excuse me, Lynn Haven. Uh, so again, another Florida kid. But I mean, this kid, I have a feeling you're going to see him sooner rather than later. I don't think you see him in three years. I think you see him sparingly this season. And I definitely think you see him next season. Because I don't think UCF's going to get transfer tight ends. Uh, I think they're they're staying with what they've got. Um, they could potentially just to make sure they have depth. But what do you like out of Randy Pittman? Obviously, we'll get Nick back when he does. Um, but what do you like out of Randy Pittman? Yeah, I mean, I think it's again, we talk about uh, we've talked about versatility a little bit. I think that's what you are looking for out of this guy. He's not your prototypical tight end. You know, he's he's a guy again. We talked you talked a little bit about Alec Holler. Alec Holler's, you know, bread and butter is he can make clutch catches as we saw against USF. Um, but he's also a great blocker. Um, but what Randy Pittman brings is, you know, uh, again, speed. He is the big thing with him is that he's, he actually can run routes like a, like a running back. He can, he's got speed. Um, he's got good hands, you know, he's more of an offensive style tight end and he's a little bit shorter than Alec Haller. I think he's an inch shorter, uh, you know, shorter than an average tight end that you would find, um, in a lot of other places, but no, I mean, he almost plays and, and again, I'm not. I'm not trying to catch heat for this. I'm not saying he's anywhere close, but much more like a Kyle Pitts style tight end where he's a little bit more like a wide receiver. You know, he's a little bit faster. He's a little bit more athletic. He's not your stereotypical tight end where, you know, block and get catches that you need. He can actually be a contributor on the offense because he is quick like a runner, because he can still block pretty well, and because he actually can get up and catch balls. And really just just almost play like a wide receiver in that sense. Uh, again, not trying to say he's anywhere near what Kyle Pitts was for Florida, but you know, a, a style of tight end 
um, that we're not super used to seeing in college. You know, uh, a really versatile, athletic tight end that can you know contribute like a wide receiver. Yeah, and it's it's intriguing to see because I think one of the negatives that I think we all agreed about the tight end position in this offense is they don't get utilized maybe how a lot of fans would like. I think, listen, the tight end position nowadays, for better or worse to a lot of people, is you want to see tight ends run. Like It's not so much about the blocking aspect. It's get them an open space let them get some rack make let them get contested catches they're usually one of the bigger guys randy is a little bit shorter i mean six two it's not like he's a six four six five tight end but i mean yeah like you said he can he can run i mean he's a quick guy more like a receiver but he's strong i mean 230 can block uh can can play that fullback position if needed uh which i mean extra blocking for our running backs is, is, is always appreciated um, in that situation. But yeah, I think you see him play really early and I'm really excited about him. He committed a couple months ago. And like I said, he was committed to Florida state. All right. Uh, we'll see if Nick ever comes back, but let's get into our offensive lineman, Jonathan Klein, Keon Cox, Keon Cox committed a couple days ago. Jonathan Klein's been committed for a while Listen, these are big boys. Keon Cox, 6'5", 275. Jonathan Klein, 6'4", 295. I mean, I, I'm seeing the tape on them. Obviously, offensive linemen, you you have to see them against the talent that you're in the league with them in. But I am pretty pumped for the future of the offensive line with these two. And I think Coach Han has done a great job. And listen... I think some UCF fans early on, he he's not recruiting the four stars. He's not recruiting like he's recruiting guys that he knows in his mind. He knows these guys are just straight dogs and that will never give up. And I think that's kind of what I want out of an offensive line. And that's what he's looking for. And not saying the top guys, obviously you'd love to get the four stars, five stars. Right. But I think the guys that coach hand is recruiting Rob are really solid additions. And I do think they play, you know, when their time is ready, I think they're going to be ready because Coach Hand's a great coach. But kind of give your take on the two offensive linemen that we signed in this class and um, and what the future of the offensive line looks like. Yeah, I mean, this was, again, a position of need. I think, you know, you look at the defense, secondary was a position of need. You flip to the offense, position of need very clearly uh, last season most of last season, you could probably count on a couple fingers how many really good games the offensive line had. Uh, this was a position to need. So so getting more and more offensive linemen in for UCF and recruiting more is, is absolutely a necessity uh, because JRP can't do what he does if you're planning on him being the starting quarterback again next season. He can't do what he does. He can't do the run. You know, he can't prevent injury if, if he's not, he doesn't have guys blocking for him. And that's really what went wrong a lot in the early season against Louisville. Penalties were a problem. They were undisciplined. Later in the season, ECU, turnovers were a problem. Big part of that was the offensive line breaking down so much. So, I mean, getting these big guys, these – I mean, you look at Jonathan Klein. Jonathan, Glide is, Jonathan Klein is a grown-ass man. He's – I mean, he is a unit. Like the, Both of them are, and, and that's the thing. Like You just need these big guys on the offensive line that can block and aren't going to get broken down You know when they face some pressure from – uh, the opposite defensive line. So, no, I mean, protecting the quarterback's a position need. You know, you're getting Matt Lee back. You're getting Lokahi Paoli back. Uh, so, you know, adding some more recruits that are, you know, bigger guys that can block. 
um, on the offensive line, I think is going to be uh, very crucial for, for this UCF offense and, and how it's going to work with John Rice Plumlee in as quarterback. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's exciting. And I think coach Han's done a great job. Um, and I'm excited to see what these guys bring. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely going to be, um, interesting to see them develop. And I think our offensive line has potential with the transfer coming in and we'll get into the transfers, um, next week. But I think with the transfers coming in, the guys you have returning, I think this could be a really good, uh, really good offensive line next year. And finally, Grant Reddick, uh, I, I love that we're getting good kickers to come to our, our school. Um, number three overall kicker in the nation. Uh, it's He's a two-star, 79 overall. But do you know how good of a kicker you need to be to have stars next to your name in on a 247 or a Rivals? You need to be amazing. So uh, he's the number three overall kicker, and we're really excited um, to bring him. And, and listen, you got Boomer. Right there, he's your starter right now, but um, it's always good to have depth there and hometown hero right there as well with Grant Reddick. All right, sorry for the technical difficulties, guys, with Nick. Nick's computer just, I mean, over an hour-long episode, clearly it's its a problem for his computer I, I right hope now, I hope he kept the receipt. I, I hope he did too. I mean, new computer. I My computer's new and it's working fine, so I think Nick... Uh, you know, hopefully he can return it. But Rob, give your thought, quick final thoughts. Very long episode, but it was needed um, on this recruiting class. I'm sure Nick had a great time, um, so we can't get his final thoughts. But give your kind of final thoughts. And listen, this is early signing day, so there's potential that UCF adds a couple more players in February. But this is kind of looking like the class right now. Kind of what are your thoughts and uh, how big of a day was this in the history of UCF football? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't come much bigger than this other than, you know, championships and, uh, you know, conference championships and bowl games. I mean, you look at the offseason, which is what we're in right now, uh, despite UCF have one more game, UCF having one more game to play. I mean, this is, you know, this is a great day in UCF history. Again, getting John Walker, the highest recruit in program history to stay committed and, and finally sign on the dotted line and getting some of these guys to say like Braden Marshall, getting Isaiah Nixon. You know, if we don't want to call it a flip, you know, he is at least staying with UCF. It's yeah, it's a flip it's a if flip. you look at it that way. I mean, it definitely is. So I, I think, you know, having these guys, I, I mean, the future is bright. And going into the Big 12, I think, you know, based off of this season's performance, I think a lot of people were nervous and rightly so. I think still are. Um, but there's there's light. And, and I think that's there's positivity around this team. And I think if you look, you know, if you live online a little bit and you live on Twitter a little bit, it's very easy to get sucked into uh, a vacuum and an echo chamber surrounding the team when you're looking at, oh, God, John Walker, he might flip to Florida. You know, oh, Florida's recruiting the hell out of him. They, they, he might commit to there. Uh, and he doesn't. And so this answered a lot of questions, I think, for a lot of UCF fans. You know, who's staying? Uh, who's flipping? And, and most guys didn't. You know, most guys didn't. They decided to stay hometown heroes. So I think it's a great day in UCF history. It's a great day for UCF moving forward. And uh, again, despite the play calling, despite the on-field product, I'm not looking at that today. Hats off to Gus Malzahn. Pat's on the back. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job with this staff uh, and and recruiting these guys and and really recruiting Florida and and making it uh, making UCF competitive in the Florida market. Highest ranked recruiting class class wow 
highest ranked recruiting class in program history. Thank you to UCF coaches, staff, everybody who did anything to help bring the program where it is today. We, of course, appreciate you. Um, and it is a great day to be a UCF Knights fan. Um, please let us know down in the comments below uh, or you know, hit us up on our socials. Who do you think was the biggest recruit and why? Do you think you're going to see them this season? Do you think, you know, where are they going to fit? Um, it's it's going to be very interesting, but it is definitely a great class. I want to thank Nick and Rob, as always, for joining me. And thank you for tuning in. Again, the support recently has been huge. We're, we are very grateful to be in the UCF community um, socially. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing to see just the support that the UCF fans and everybody rallies around other fans so um, i definitely appreciate it. i know rob and nick uh have the same sentiment and hope that you continue sticking with us um this has been charge on presented by bet online we will see you for your bowl game preview next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.